My greatest fear for you is that you'll imbibe this godless American culture and think like this world thinks and not think like Jesus wants you to think. We want you to be courageous, a person of valor as you face the world and give your life away in ministry. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. The dictionary defines the word valor as strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness or personal bravery. So how does this apply to our Christian life? Today, Marilyn Chadwick joins David in a series about developing strength to endure life's trials in a message called At Home. We want to move into this valor message. Uh, We're trying to recapture this word valor for the Christian community. Honey, what does the word valor mean? Well, just the simple dictionary definition of valor is showing courage in the face of danger. Um, But even if you don't know the definition, I think everybody knows valor and courage when you see it. And the use the word valor actually the hebrew word in the old testament for valor is spelled c h a y i l and it's pronounced hail and it's a military term as i said earlier and means everything from warrior to troop to army sometimes it's used for god's angel armies it, when you read about david's mighty men of valor it's hail um, it's just a strong powerful term It's used three times in the entire Old Testament to speak specifically about a woman. And I just found it curious. I kind of discovered this by accident when we were doing our book on marriage. But when you get to the Proverbs 31 woman, and some of you know about her, she's got this long list of accomplishments and most people feel tired when they read about her and think, is that the perfect woman? And it's usually translated competent woman, virtuous wife, excellent wife. But when I went back to the Hebrew, it's actually eshet, which means woman of hail, valor, woman of valor. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? Woman of valor. And the crazy thing is, the only translations that I've found it translated to the English as woman of valor were the Orthodox Jewish Bible and then a really old Jewish Bible written back at the turn of the century. So I began to be curious about this and learn that women all over the world today that are Jewish or Messianic Jews love this term so much, partially because their husbands the night before Shabbat will either recite or sing the verses out of Proverbs 31, telling her what an awesome woman she is. But woman of valor, it's just a great concept. And so we thought valor is kind of a lost art today. We wanted to reclaim it. And when last week we looked at a person of valor in their own individual lives, and we challenged you to be courageous as you live for Christ, especially in this culture. My greatest fear, dear friends, is not that you'll be persecuted for your faith in Jesus. It's not that I would be persecuted for my faith in Jesus. That's not my greatest fear because the church has always thrived amidst persecution. Always, because it really weeds out who's kind of quasi-committed and who's not, and then those who are committed really take it to a new level. My greatest fear for you is that you'll become American, that you'll imbibe this godless American culture and think like this world thinks and not think like Jesus wants you to think. So we want you to be courageous, a person of valor as you face the world and give your life away in ministry. Uh, Today we wanted to talk about being valorous as a person in relationship. Mm -hmm. And we want to look first of all at a character in the Old Testament named Named Ruth. Ruth, yeah. And we're talking about valor at home today. And as we unpack that, you'll see that home means 
means many different things for many different people. But and singles will be included in this oh, message absolutely. for sure. Everybody will, all ages and stages. But Ruth is one of only two women in the Bible to have a, a book named after her. Mm -hmm. And she was an outsider. In fact, she was living in sort of the backside of nowhere in the area of Moab. And David will talk more about the Moabites later, but they were not nice people. It was a pretty rough tribe. But here she is, this woman. And we find her because a woman named Naomi and her husband from the tribe of Israel had left and gone to Moab. Why did yeah, they go? It was a severe famine in Israel. Uh, Naomi was married to a guy named Elimelech. They had two sons and famine had come and caused them to flee. Marilyn and I have been all over the world with different mm -hmm. ministries. You know, we've seen in Sudan, for mm -hmm. example, the extraordinary pain that's caused by people losing their homes uh, because of famine or because of persecution or whatever the reason may be. We've seen Syrian refugees. Yeah, in that hunger part of here the world. is different. You know, hunger in America is rough, but when you go to these areas, we've got displaced people groups, the famine the hunger, you can see it in the faces, it's grinding. So Naomi and Elimelech were going through a famine and they said, we've got to find food for our boys. So they went into Moab, which was the enemy of Israel. If you read the biblical prophecies about different nations, you'll see that God pronounces a severe judgment through the prophets on Moab. Just again, like Marilyn said, a godless people, but they had to have food. So they ran there and lived there. And the two boys eventually over 10 years time period met two Moabitess girls and married them. And one of them was named Ruth. Ruth. And so after some period of time, Elimelech and the two sons die. And Naomi yearns for her homeland, turns to her two daughters-in-law and says, look, I'm going home. You two stay here. You can perhaps remarry, but I've got to go home. One of them did stay, but the second one named Ruth decided to go with Naomi back to Israel and says something extraordinary in the scripture. Marilyn, would you read those verses? Yeah, but Ruth said, and this is Ruth saying this to Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And that's from Ruth chapter one. And those verses are often read at weddings and People ask me sometimes when I officiate weddings if I would have those verses read, and I always go, well, sure, I'll be more than happy to. You just need to know they weren't speak, spoken between a husband and wife. They were spoken from a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. Imagine that. Yes, I hope my daughter's-in-law <laughs> like me that much. Yeah, but, but great words of covenant love. Covenant love. And I, we want to emphasize that term today, covenant love, because it's throughout the Bible. It's the kind of love that God has for us. Um, covenant love is unconditional love. Um, another definition of covenant love that I love is I'm not going anywhere. It's mostly expressed in God's love for us, first of all, through Israel, that he made a covenant relationship with Israel through Abraham, basically said, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. And the covenant love that God made with Israel uh, continued even after Jesus came into the world. Paul says that Israel was set aside for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles comes into God's kingdom. And then they're going to have a massive numbers of Jews who will come to faith in Jesus. And that covenant love that God made with Abraham is irrevocable. I'm not going anywhere. It's still in place just until the fullness of all Gentiles come into the kingdom of God. Now, that covenant love is expressed between Ruth 
and Naomi in a powerful right. way. It is. But, you know, it's interesting because we think covenant love is what holds all believers together. Once people are in the body of Christ, we love each other with a covenant love, certainly starting, obviously, with marriage and your love for your children, but it's also the love we all have for each other. And I think Ruth's um, demonstration of this covenant love was so stunning really, because again, she had been a Moabitess. She was outside the community of faith. But when she made that pronouncement or that covenant to Naomi, she basically was accepting God as her God too, again, which was stunning. So that by the time they made their way back to, to Israel in, in, the, in the tribal village there, her reputation somehow had preceded her. Yeah. And they were blown away so that one of the men comes up to her and basically says this, Everybody in town knows that you are a woman of valor. Ruth is the only person in the entire Bible, the only woman to be called by name a woman of valor. And this was what they used as the term to, to like honor her for this covenant love. Yeah. And in case you don't know the rest of the story, Ruth comes back and just starts to work in order to supply for her and Naomi, a man named Boaz, who's a good bit older than she is, looks at her and is attracted to her, finds out that Elimelech was in his lineage and in what's called the kinsman redeemer process in Israel's law, that the next person in line to someone who had died could marry the wife. Boaz realizes he's next in line and works with yeah. the elders of the city, goes to them, says, may I have the kinsman redeemer for Ruth? And they agree. And so he ends up marrying her. And the rest of the story is just astounding. Well, it's stunning because first of all, she was called a woman of valor before she was even married. So a woman of valor can be anybody. Just remember, she was an outsider. And I can't impress upon you how disdain the Moabites were. So it's just amazing to me that here she is now married to Boaz and they have a son named Obed. Well, Obed ends up being the grandfather of King David, which many of you are familiar with because that's in the lineage of Jesus. And when you get to the first chapter of the book of Matthew where they do the whole genealogy, Ruth is right in there, one of the very few women whose names are listed in the actual lineage of Jesus. So part of what I wanted to say to all of you this morning is you may feel like an outsider, you may feel like, like a broken, hopeless, despairing person. God couldn't possibly use someone like me. Remember Ruth. Remember Ruth, an outsider from a godless nation that God chose to come be a part of his covenant love family and through her brought in King David. And then let's go now to Romans 1. And through King David comes into the world in his lineage who? our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Ruth is in the lineage of the birthing of Jesus into the world. So don't think you're ever yeah. useless. Don't think you're ever worthless. Don't think you're beyond God's love and covenant mercies. Oh no, dear friends, you are right in the plan of God. Trust him and you might see your life being used to change the world in decades and generations to come. It's a wonderful story. It is, and this concept of covenant love, again, we keep saying this over and over and over, it's God's love for you, so that's the most important thing. But we're gonna find it threaded throughout different passages of scripture. And when you get back to Proverbs 31, let's go back there. Because the Proverbs 31 woman, as she is known, demonstrates covenant love in her family 
to her children, and then we'll find out next week how she does this with the rest of the world around her. But there's an interesting sentence in those 10 verses, and I think next week we need to bring the poem. Are you going to sing it then? Do you really want me to? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll so. give you the poem so you can go home and all <laughs> Can I husbands. sing The Temptations, My Girl, or something <laughs> like that? Would they be okay? No, I well, guess not. Well, you don't have to turn into a Jewish family, but you can say these verses if you want to next week to your wives and, and those in your families. But anyway, it says here um, that the heart of her husband trusts in her. This is Proverbs 31, 11, and 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Do you hear the covenant theme coming through there? Mm -hmm. And it's there in such a powerful way to express for Christians the covenant love we know through Jesus. Um, for those of you who know what happens at the Lord's table that we celebrate here, um, Jesus said as he gave that to his disciples, behold, I give you a new covenant through my blood, through my death to you. And that new covenant basically is when we have a relationship with Jesus, he abides in us and we abide in him. There's a glue in our lives. And what Jesus is saying to us is, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I will never leave you or forsake you. Or his last words before he ascended into heaven, lo, I'll be with you when? always, even to the close of the age. So his life is in us, our life is in him. That's the uniqueness of a personal relationship with Jesus. And folks, I don't know what you were taught the Christian faith is all about, but it's not rules and regulations. It's not a toxic, you must, you should, you ought, or God's gonna get you. It is a personal, living, dynamic relationship with the God of this universe through his son, Jesus, that melts our lives into his, his life into us. And we know personally, every single second of every single day, his covenant love deeply and abiding within us. And do you think maybe, and I think this is what's coming tr through to me as I study this concept more, it takes valor to love somebody with a covenant love. Yeah. It, it takes valor in relationships. We're going to see in a minute that it takes valor in marriage. But I bet many of you right now are talk, uh, think, talking to yourself saying, you know, the way I'm loving X, Y, or Z, this person in my life, sometimes I have to draw on valor yeah. to stay true. If you go toward marriage, this is what God would intend. And remind yourselves that in your vows that you take with your spouse, that you say to them, for better or for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, and then you're supposed to say, at least I lead my couples that I marry with these words, and I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses. And recognize, we had a millennial friend of ours tell us that a lot of you millennial folks have never been taught the meaning of covenant in marriage and you still think it's a contract. It's not a contract. A contract is based on the performance of the other and if the other doesn't perform well, you can break the contract. Folks, that's not covenant. It's not the covenant we have with Jesus. It's not the covenant he intended there to be in marriage. Covenant means I'm not going anywhere. Covenant means I am committed forever. This so. probably hits for some of you as well. Maybe you're caring for somebody. Maybe you're watching somebody. But I think what a powerful demonstration yeah. of a man and a woman of valor. Yeah. So in, in marriage, that's what it's supposed to look like. And Christians' marriages are something different than the world's. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. Mm -hmm. And I somehow think most of us yearn for that, don't we? 
we really yearn deep down inside we all yearn for that and that's what Jesus desires and if it didn't work in the first marriage yeah. make it work please. for your second this make is about looking forward yeah please. not looking back yeah you can make it work in this one through the covenant love of Jesus through you to another person and interestingly we think children watch that mm-hmm. and they see it and it makes them want to honor the one expressing that kind of covenant love. In fact, with the Proverbs 31 woman, yeah. she practices that kind of valor. And what happens with her children? Well, it's interesting because, again, I encourage you to go back and read the verses. But another little section of Scripture describing her says this. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And then it says this, her children rise up and call her blessed. And that word, rise up, is more than just standing to your feet. It, it means in the, in the actual Hebrew, to be strengthened, to be established, to be successful. So it's a very powerful term like it, rise up. And we want to emphasize that in, in parenting as well. And also, Marilyn, I want to say, you need to know our marriage isn't perfect. I mean, there are a lot of times I'm a jerk in the name of Jesus, of course, but I'm, I mean, I do some really bad things and, and I have to say, please forgive me. I'm, I'm really sorry. And we have to work through stuff just like you do. But what binds us together is our common covenant, covenant love in Jesus. Yeah. Really and I is. think that combined with the, the intentional parenting, we had a mom come up to us that raised her children as a single mom. And she said, I believe everything that you're saying. And I didn't choose for my husband to leave, but I practiced that kind of covenant love for my children. And they saw that. And, and so her I boys just, have turned out really her, well. Yeah, they've turned out really well. And I looked at her and I said, boy, you are truly a woman of valor. But that's part of what made this Proverbs 31 woman tick. You know, she was part nurturer. And we've always kind of gotten that. That's what those verses are mostly interpreted as. But I hope that after today and after this series that you're seeing she was also a warrior. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about this morning's moment of hope. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomas Burrow and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank 
you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you yeah. all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also sit into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up all the meals will shift to the dream center with the kitchen you helped us do so we're so grateful for you guys god bless you god bless moments of hope and we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry thank you very much Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. Hello, Jen. It's great to be with you as well. Well, this morning's Moment of Hope is a bit of a hot topic for people. You wrote about becoming better listeners. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Well, the exact maxim is listen to all sides, and it really is relevant for today's culture because we don't want to hear both sides. In fact, with the big tech oligarchies, especially situated on the West Coast, they are silencing voices Mm -hmm. so that the more conservative voices can't even be heard today. And everybody knows that when you do that in a culture, you have groupthink and everybody is forced to believe the same thing and you don't have a healthy culture at all. In fact, in classic liberalism, though I would not call myself a liberal, uh, the word liberal comes from the Latin word for freedom, and it means basically trying to get rid of all previous thought that seems restrictive to my personal freedoms. Liberalism just tries to eradicate conservative views that have held the happiness and health of a culture intact. Well, in classic liberalism, though, even the liberals would allow a conservative voice to the table. Mm -hmm. They would then debate and believe that in the debate, ultimately, you would find the best solution. What you have today is not classic liberalism. You have illiberalism. Mm -hmm. You have the left now silencing the voices of people on the right, threatening them to lose their jobs or incomes or whatever because they don't buy into the groupthink. And it's a very dangerous situation in which to be. So I just want to encourage everyone to continue to be bold, continue to be courageous, continue to speak the truth in love because Real truth can't happen until both sides are spoken. Both sides need to be listened to. And I love that proverb in Proverbs 18, 19, that everybody thinks they've got the truth (laughs) until they've heard the other side. It's important that we continue to speak the truth in love, listen, but also give the other side and let it be heard. This is so good. And it reminds me of, you know, when you hear about stories, there's story A, there's story B, and then there's the truth when those stories end. Right. Yeah, you know that Hegelian thought. Some may remember studying philosophy way back when in college or even high school. And Hegel was one of the great philosophers of all times. And he talked about the synthesis, the antithesis, then reaching the common synthesis again. Uh-huh. And, and that's what is a good mindset for all of us to have, that usually the truth lies somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And when you are debating with someone, allow that other side to be heard. If you squelch it, your side is the only one that's heard. And 
who makes that judgment that you're the truth of all the universe? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not the way truth is best arrived at. Well, I feel like these days, you can't even come to the point where you agree to disagree. Uh, Would you agree with me? I would agree with you on that, Jen. (laughs) Uh, That's the whole idea that you silence the voice Mm -hmm. that you don't like. And in the history of the world, if you look at any government that did not allow the other side to speak and only allowed one side to be heard, that ultimately led to a totalitarianism which destroys the country over time. Human freedom is a gift from God. When it's not allowed to be expressed, people will ultimately revolt, and then you have a nation in disarray. That's so good. Such a good reminder for us, and to also share the truth in love. Exactly. The way you say something is even more important, maybe, than what you say. Mm -hmm. But continue the dialogue, dear friends, out there. Stand courageously for Christian truth. Speak what the Word of God says, and then allow the other side to be heard, and I promise you the truth will ultimately come out. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jen. And if you'd like to receive these daily written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there daily. They'll arrive every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours to start your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for those recovering from the Delta variant of COVID. 